The Doctor Is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. How are you, sir? This is Peter. Oh. I can't believe I'm talking to you, Dr. Ray the Great. Oh, I don't know about that. I love listening to you. You have a personality just like my father. I don't think you should feel helpless. You are helpless. Doctor, I really appreciate that. That makes me feel a lot better. You be at peace, or else I'm going to yell at you. Trying to find a reason to speak to you. I think you're the best thing since plays bread. That Ray, he's something. Thank you so much for what you're doing for all the parents out there. I don't know what I can possibly do. I don't either. I'm getting my money worth, I think, at this phone call. Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. Very nice to be with you. I read a a stat the other day that said something to the effect that 75% of auto accidents occur within 10 miles of home. So I showed that to my wife, and uh, we will be moving probably about 11 miles out. That's probably the smart thing to do, I think, to at least cut our odds. Good to have you with me here on The Doctor Is In. This is Look Back Friday. Meaning, it's not really a look back. It's kind of actually a misnomer. It's a listen back Friday, but listen back doesn't roll off the tongue as easily. We take previous calls edited at the capable hands of Andrew Kruchek, who cuts out a lot of my initial badinage with the caller, which I think makes the show folksy. But he goes straight to the caller, which apparently some people think is a good idea. Play the call. And then I get to talk a little more about the call. There's always many, many things within the context of a call that you could talk about. You can go off in different directions. But I, I try to keep focused on two things. What was the caller's initial request? What was the thing that they seemed most concerned about? And two, I only have enough time for a call to address certain things types of circumstances you can't veer off too far now on look back friday i can veer off a little bit because there's nobody waiting in line these calls are already pre-selected and they're coming from probably a couple months ago because when we get a call i make a little note of it that says this is a call for a look back friday because there's something more i wish to say about this call When I was a consultant to the schools, there were approximately, oh, I think 11 or 12 school districts in the county of Columbiana, Columbiana County in Ohio. A lot of places there, Lisbon, Ohio, East Palestine was there. I used to work in East Palestine. Um, Liverpool, East Liverpool, uh, Salineville. Columbiana, which, by the way, Columbiana, which is a tiny little, not a tiny little town, about 10,000 people, is in Columbiana County. It was chosen by Reader's Digest as the best place to live in the United States. I contacted a couple of my old friends still lurking about in Columbiana and told him, did you know this? And I was a little suspicious because it was chosen that after I left. I used to work with the Columbiana school districts. And at that time, it was um, a very heavy influence 
of certain kinds of psychological theories that emphasize let's all just get along. Let's all just get along. We don't we don't need a lot of rules. We don't need a a whole lot of structure or consequences. Let's just let it come. Let us reason together. And as that was showing itself not working too well, there was at the time a program that came out and this program said, "We're back to basics. We are no nonsense." We're going to put the big people back in charge. Now, at that time, I noticed that the bulk of experts were uncomfortable with traditional discipline, holding a child accountable with, with clear consequences and having high standards. They, 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 the experts are just squeamish about that as a group. But this particular program was was being, oh, it was very, very popular throughout. I think most school districts in the country were getting some version of it. As I said, back to basics. No nonsense. Okay. So I think that program illustrates exactly my point, which is the experts are uneasy with discipline. Let me illustrate The program said that the teacher is to have the rules of the classroom on the board. However, you do not express your rules in the negative. You don't say, don't talk out. You don't say, no leaving seat. You say, stay in seat. You say, raise your hand to speak. And I tried that a couple of times when I was on those backcountry roads and I got stopped by a state trooper and he said, I don't want you to speed. And I said, officer, officer, that's negative. I think you need to say, please stay within the speed limit. I'd be much more likely to be agreeable. Well, apparently that didn't work because I speeded my way to a ticket. You put the rules on the board. In the positive, you don't use the negative, which, of course, is not life. Then, here's the basic structure of the program. If the child, and I don't think you can say misbehaves, that, that's too negative. Uh, if, if the child, I don't even know if you can say breaks one of the rules. If the child how about ignores a classroom role? That's a, that's a softer way to put it, is it not? Got to watch your language here. He is to go up, or she, you know, he. But even though boys are behavior problems three times as much as girls are, don't say he, huh? Say she, he, or some something. They are to go up and put their name on the board. Now they can put it next to the rule, or they can put it off to a side. That serves as a warning. There is no consequence for breaking that rule. That's just you're putting your name on the board. Now, if you say that's a consequence because it's embarrassing, uh, for most kids who act up, that wouldn't be embarrassing. If acting up isn't going to embarrass them, putting their name on the board isn't going to do much. If the child ignores a rule a second time, that child, oh good, see how I avoided he or she? That child goes up and puts a check mark next to their name. Now there is a consequence. The teacher decides what the consequences could be, and 
typically they're very benign. You put your head down at your desk for three minutes. If we have recess, you you sit on the curb for five minutes until you can play. Just benign little consequences. So, Dr. Ray, what are you saying? There are consequences, right? You may think they're too benign, but hey, they're there. Well, here's what can happen. With this program that is a very strict, no-nonsense, back-to-basics, authoritative program, When I used to do teacher in-services, I'd ask this question. How many days in a legal school year? Now, I knew the answer, but I I wanted to hear them say it's 180 in most states, 180. I then asked, what's the average number of children in your classroom? Now, in most, most classes, it's 18 to 26 or 27. I'd say, let's just take a, a number of, of 20, 20. What is 20 times 180? Now, the math teachers usually got that right away quick. Everybody else looked at me like, all right, where's my calculator? Me, I said, where's my slide roll? 20 times 180 is 3,600. I then said, this very strict, no-nonsense, back-to-basics program, If every student in class realized that every day they would get a warning and there would be no consequence, your very strict, back-to-basics, no-nonsense, authoritative program would allow 3,600 pieces of classroom disruption with no consequences. One of the questions I had was, if the children know the rules, they're on the board. Why would they get a warning every day? Do you you think they can't control themselves so that, therefore, is this a freebie? Well, the comeback to that is, most of the kids don't push the system like that. Most of the kids don't want their name on the board. Most of the kids don't want a checkmark next to their name. I agree with that. That's true. For the most part, that's true. But we're talking the structure of the system. The system is set up so you get a warning every day. A variant of this system is used in a lot of elementary schools. It was used in my my son's parochial school. He was in the first grade. They had cards, red, yellow, green. If, in fact, you broke a classroom rule... Your green card was turned over and your yellow card was turned up. So you were yellow. There was your warning. That was your warning. Broke a classroom rule again. Now your red card was the dominant card. And now you had some consequence. My son, who now is in his 30s and is an engineer, came home all excited Dad, Dad, this is great. I can, I can do something wrong one time every day and nothing happens. All I do is just turn over my card to yellow. If I don't, go, if I don't turn it over to red, I don't get anything done to me. He figured out the system very quickly. 
and he was saving up for whatever particular moment he wanted to splurge and go yellow. And I said, Andrew, I'm going to give you a week just to kind of get used to the system. That was just pure charity on my part. I didn't have to give him any time, but I gave him a week. I said, after that, you're not to get yellows either. But dad, no, no, no. She says you can get a yellow. That's just, that's just to warn you. I said, I know, I know. But I really don't want you disrupting the class, even though your teacher doesn't want to do anything about it. Well, he just couldn't believe it. He couldn't believe that his old man would do that. So the objection becomes, okay, how do you know? How do you know if he got a yellow? One, I asked the teacher, tell me. She was reluctant. But the other, much more foolproof than the teacher. His sister was a year younger. She knew when he misbehaved before he even misbehaved. And she came home with a typewritten report of what he did. Keeping in mind, most experts are really queasy about standard traditional discipline. And this back to basics, no-nonsense, authoritative, strict program potentially allowed 3,600 pieces of misconduct without consequences. I'm Dr. Ray. The wisdom of Mother Angelica. I said to the churches one day, what do you think you're going to look like in heaven? Oh, some of them had absolutely magnificent ideas. I didn't think of one of them. So I got desperate because then my turn came. I didn't know what to say. And so in desperation, I said, what do you think I'll wear in heaven? And they all said with one voice, armor. EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. Brought to you by the nonprofit Seton Home Study. Hi, everybody. Dr. Ray Garendi here. You thinking about homeschooling? Seton Homeschooling. 40 years of experience. 17,000 current students pre-K through high school. They provide the books, the lesson plans, the counselors, the grading services, the tests. That's right, pretty much everything. My wife and I use Seton, some of our children. Tell you this, two of them got perfect ACT scores in verbal. And overall, the Seton students scored more than 100 points above average on the SAT. Over 30% higher on English and reading on the ACT. It's a rigorous program. You want to give the very best to your kids? Trust me on this one. Go with Seton. It is a beautifully rigorous academic program. Go to seatonhome.org. That is seatonhome.org. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. Dr. Rigorendi taking you through an intense psych aerobic workout, keeping your IQ in the target zone. For some of you, your target zone is lower than for others. You know who you are. Target zone is 115 to 130. We can hold it there for the whole time. 
you'll get the benefit, maximum benefit. You'll go farther on Jeopardy. You may not go any farther on Wheel of Fortune, but Jeopardy, you can go probably about 50 bucks further down and every once in a while get the daily double. This is Look Back Friday. Let's go to one of the calls. CJ from Texas says his wife is a narcissist. You know, I was wondering if you can enlighten me about women with narcissistic personality disorders. Is there any hope for them? You know, they seem to blame shift a lot. There's a lot of not taking responsibility, insecurities, you know, lies, things like that that go on with them, you know, grandiosity. So I was just wondering if there's any kind of hope for them. Well, of course there is. If, if, you, if you listen to some of the so-called narcissistic experts, they would say there is no hope, this is who they are, and the best thing to do to relate to them is not to relate to them, meaning shun them, which from a Christian perspective, depending upon who that person is, I mean, if it's your mother, your spouse, your sister, uh, you got to think long, long, long and hard about doing something like that. You can't just simply say, well, their personality is so bad, it's so irritating, it's so obnoxious, it's so self-absorbed, it's so self-centered that I just feel better than them not being in my lives. So I'm going to divorce my wife or I'm going to stop talking to my sister and my mother will hear from me once every three years. I think your question, CJ, revolves around someone in your life, correct? Uh, yeah, it's actually uh, my significant other. Okay. Together quite a while, and it's just getting. Well, who made this diagnosis? Who who made this diagnosis? That's the problem. She doesn't want to get a diagnosis. So. So why do why do you? Okay, so you you've diagnosed it. Well, I wouldn't say I've diagnosed this. I'm just kind of, I'm just you know going off of what I've read and what I've heard, and what I've I've observed from her behavior over the past time we've been together. Well, it's probably safe to say that you find her difficult to get along with or that you find her self-absorbed. That's safe to say. You experience it. But you're on much trickier ground if you say, obviously, she has a personality disorder. The implication being, I'm not sure she can be fixed, right? Right. I, I'm working on a book right now, and one of the early chapters, I talk about narcissistic personality disorder and how that scares people. In other words, what it says is, I'm not sure this person is, is relatable. That, in fact, they're so locked into this disturbance of their personality that there's no way that they'll ever be easier to get along with or easier to live with, and therefore many, many divorces occur. I would leave you with this. One, it's not really important what you call it. If you go to the Internet, you're going to read it, and you're going to say, that's it, that's it, that's who she is. Look at that. Oh, man, every one of those is who she is. Keeping in mind that narcissistic personality disorder is a pretty severe condition. And it's a condition that 
pretty much goes across all people. By that I mean your wife is difficult with everybody. Her best friend, her hairdresser, her mother, her sister, her kid, everybody. Now, in most cases, that's not the way it is. You can say, well, she's that way with me, that's for sure. That doesn't mean she's a narcissistic personality disorder. It means she's difficult to live with. My best piece of advice for you is figure out how you can be easier to live with and see if that has any change in her. Rather than saying, this is how she needs to change, and I need to point this out to her, you know that gets you nowhere. Exactly. Of course. Of course not. She feels you're criticizing her. She feels you don't understand her. She feels you don't communicate with her. She feels you're trying to manipulate her. All those things. Quit doing that. See what you can do to be easier to live with yourself. Less arguing with her. Less pointing out her flaws. Less saying, yeah, well, you think I'm that way. What about you? You do that. Don't. Don't. I'm telling you, that'll blow up in your face. See what you can do and see if, see if she softens a little bit in some of these supposed narcissistic personality qualities don't ease up a bit. I make notes on the original call. And on this one, I think I could I could go off in about six different directions. Maybe I'll take this one past the break. It'll be a look back, look back, look back. First, most people are heading to the Internet to do their informal diagnoses of someone who drives them crazy. Personality disorders are, by their very nature, squishy. Because they're composed of personality traits, personality descriptions that, again, I, I, did, I did part of my dissertation on this, talked about the fuzziness of personality traits. So if you go to the Internet and you try to figure out, okay, I got to figure out why this person is the way. Oh, look at that. This fits them totally. Well, let me give an example of how these twicky-waskowy psychologists do this. I've talked about this before in the show, but you probably forgot. Part of your personality. Psychologists went to college students, probably sophomores, said, we have a new test, a new personality test. Best there is. I want you to take it. Rats and college sophomores are psychologists' favorite subjects. Gave the test to the kids. They said, we're going to get your results. We're going to score them. We're going to give you the results back. Came back, gave the profiles to all the kids and said, please rate. How well does this fit you? The vast majority of the kids said, well or very well. Okay, so it's a good personality test, right? (laughs) Those wascoe psychologists. It was the same description for every kid. How did they do that? They took advantage of the fuzziness of personality traits. Much of the time you're outgoing, but you enjoy your private moments. New situations can make you feel a bit ill at ease until you relax and get to know someone. Of course, we're all like that. 
You know what they called it? They called it their Aunt Fanny description. It would fit anyone's hypothetical Aunt Fanny. That's one of the problems you run into when you go to the Internet and you try to diagnose somebody close to you with a personality disorder. It's kind of the same thing that the astrological descriptions work on. Yeah, look at that. Uh, Yeah, I'm a Sagittarius because, oh, look at those traits. That's me. Oh, boy, that is me. Because by the very nature, you can manipulate traits to say kind of what you want them to say. Now, there's a lot more I want to say about this, but that was my intro. I'm Dr. Ray. Program here, Doctor is in. This is Look Back Friday, our variant. Boy, we just keep having variants of the program. now, the EWTN Family Prayer with Father Joseph. Family, a prayer that we pray together is a powerful prayer. So please pray together with me, our EWTN Family Prayer. Today we pray for those who have diabetes. Almighty God, we worship you, our Father. And we pray this day for those who suffer with diabetes. Look upon your children with this illness and grant them relief. Give them patience and the grace of perseverance in taking care of their health. Show them the way to physical and spiritual well-being. Let their cry come to your ears and bring them healing in mind and body and soul. We ask this in the holy name of Jesus, your Son. Amen. We live right now in dark and confusing times, but Jesus is always at work. We shouldn't allow ourselves to forget what we know just because we're facing many circumstances that are threatening and confusing to us. You know that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know that he's poured out his Holy Spirit and formed his body on the earth, and that he is the head of the body in heaven, and his body is right here on earth. You can point to it. Jesus didn't just leave us a set of teachings. Jesus, in fact, gave us himself. The church is ultimately the deifying union between Christ the head and the sanctified members of his body. And so just as the Lord unfurls himself into the Eucharist, Jesus is also extending his divinely human presence into his mystical body, the church. Cresta in the afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. Thank you for joining me. Doctor is in. I'm Dr. Ray Garendi. What kind of doctor? Clinical psychologist. Not a real doctor. PhD. Post hole digger. Putterer in the history of Denmark. Permanent head damage. Just had a call from CJ who said he went to the internet and he did a little self-diagnosis of his wife. That she is a narcissist. Well, I'll tell you what. that That is now the personality term du jour 
everybody who's self-centered and difficult is now becoming a narcissist. If you know anything about narcissistic personality disorder, that's a that's a pretty serious personality disorder. That's not self-centered and difficult necessarily. It's extremely self-centered and difficult. And of course, people who think that someone close to them is a narcissist will say they are extremely self-centered and difficult. <clears throat> okay. Now, I talked about how the worst place to go get a diagnosis, especially for personality disorders, is the Internet, because you can read it and through your lens say, that's it. That's who that person is. Now, the danger, one of the dangers in saying someone fits a particular diagnostic label is that it indicates or at least seems to indicate to the person pursuing the diagnosis that this person with the diagnosis is now beyond normal human interaction they're disordered so the way they are is not a whole bunch of circumstances and factors and dynamics that go into the relationship no their personality is at some level warped I had a young daughter, an adult daughter, write me, and she was kind of perplexed about her mother's conduct when she was a young girl, as a teenager, young adult. So she went to the internet, and of course, her mother fit the description of narcissism. There was an expert there, a self-anointed narcissism expert, who said the only way to deal with a narcissist is to not deal with a narcissist. In other words, shun them. Get them out of your life. So for four years, this woman had no contact with her mother on the basis of this expert's recommendation on the Internet, one size fits all. She since became a Christian and she started rethinking all this. Didn't make her mother any less difficult, but it also behooved her to be a little more tolerant and forgiving of her mother's many shortcomings as she saw them. And I guess that's the point to be made here. The danger is when you have to deal with someone that's tough to deal with, at least in your opinion. Other people may not find them tough to deal with. Understand that, but, but, but you do. I live with them, Dr. Ray. I understand that. The closer you are to someone, the more you see their flaws. I got that. But when you put a label on it, now you have, you have essentially diagnosed them. You've pigeonholed them into a box. And the box says this person can't be dealt with normally. This person either needs therapy or is unreachable or is so extreme that you don't even try to change who you are because it's not going to matter to them because the problem is deep within them. That's what happens when you start doing this stuff. When you start personality diagnoses are among the most unreliable of diagnoses because personality by its very nature is a complex thing. You know, a lot of folks talk about sanguine personality or choleric personality. You know, that's as broad as it gets. Those are 
huge terms that they can't account for how a person reacts in a range of situations. Well, Dr. Ray, that's that's their consistent style. That's what it is. That's their consistent style. All right, let me bring out for this thought. You got a brother, and this brother is just fun to be around. He laughs easily. He's uplifting. When you are around him, he brings out the absolute fun-loving side of you. If someone were to ask this brother to describe you, he'd say, pleasant, fun-loving, She's just great to be around. She's easygoing. Then you got another brother who is edgy and prickly and always looking for a fight, an argument. Doesn't like your religion. Around him, you're 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 wary. You're cautious. You're you're really on edge around him. You you kind of watch what you say. You don't you don't make any jokes because he can take them wrong. So if someone were to describe, ask him to describe you, he'd say, oh, she's, uh, she is not easygoing, that's for sure. She's edgy. She is just, uh, I don't know how to describe my sister, but I'll tell you what, she's not all that pleasant. She's not that, that easy to be around. Now, which brother is right? Well, they both are. Because you are a certain way around each one. The dynamics of their personality interacts with the dynamics of your personality. The lady who is the saint at church, everybody says she's a saint. Oh my gosh, look at her. She's so devotional. She daily mass goer. She levitates while the homily's going on. She prays the rosary in Aramaic. Wow, what a saint. But at home, she hasn't talked to her sister in four years. Why? Well, because her sister did something that offended her, and that's it. She just, uh, she's written her sister off. Now, wait a minute. Now, there's two very different sides of this lady's personality. The devotional side that makes people think she's a saint, and then the other side that shows virtually no love and tolerance to her sister. So which is the real her? Both. At church, that's what she acts like. I'm not saying it's a fake. It's probably, truly what she is pulled toward on the other hand with her sister whom she really wants no part of even though her sister may have reached out to her a couple of times she just has written her off so you see personality is a very complex thing it truly is and it depends so much upon whom you're around where you are what they're like in a way a christian seeks virtue across all situations and all people. That's the ideal. You not only want to be a saint at church, but you want to be a saint with your difficult sister. You not only want to be easygoing and fun-loving with your easygoing, fun-loving brother, but you want to be at least somewhat warm with your curmudgeon brother. So a Christian tries to make the good aspects, the good personality traits fit a wide range of situations to the best that they can. There's more to that, but when we come back, I want to I want to take another call. There was there were certainly many directions to go on that call. I'm Dr. Ray. Thank you for uh, keeping me company.
In the Annals of Prayer, why is Elijah such an important figure? Elijah is the father of the prophets, the Catholic Catechism tells us. The mission of the prophets was to educate the people of God so that they might experience conversion of the heart rather than merely participating in the ritual practices of religion. St. James, in referring to Elijah, says, The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. This is affirmed when Elijah asks God to restore the life of the son of a widow, and the Lord hears and answers Elijah's prayer. On Mount Carmel, Elijah challenges 450 prophets of Baal to a prayer duel before all the Israelites. Baal proves to be a false god, giving no answer to pleas from his prophets, while the God of Israel proves to be the true God by producing in response to Elijah's intercessory prayer a mighty fire to consume the Holocaust. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. Catholic Connection with Teresa Tomio. We're all going to suffer. No one is getting out of this life unscathed. Even if you're an agnostic or an atheist, everyone is going to suffer. The rain falls on the just and the unjust, as the Lord tells us in the New Testament. So what do we do with it? Do we just say, oh, I'm so glad that's over and don't learn anything from it? Or do we say, okay, God, this was not fun? Or as St. Teresa of Avila, the great doctor of the church and my patron said, if this is the way you treat your friends, no wonder you have so few, right? Like, really, Lord? Seriously? And that's okay if you express yourself that way, obviously with respect and love, but St. Teresa of Avila did it, and so many saints expressed their frustrations that way. But at the end of the day, they still came back to God and said, okay, Lord, this really stinks, but I know somehow at the end, I'm going to come through it, and you're going to show me what you want me to do with it. Catholic Connections, Teresa Tomio. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern, on EWTN Radio. Thank you for joining me, Dr. Ray Gurendi here. The program, The Doctor is In. This is Look Back Friday. Take previous calls, edited at the capable adept hands of Andrew Krucek, producer man, father of Audra Rose and John, and we run them. And then I make notes and say, you know, I should have said this. You know, I could have said this. I could have gone in this direction. And so I save a few of those could-haves for Friday. When we replay the call, and then I get to talk more. Mary from Washington is calling. She says that her 15-year-old daughter has spoken to her about same-sex attraction. So your teenage daughter says, I am same-sex attracted. Yes. yes. How, 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 teen, how teen is she? She's 15. 15. And uh, I've known... Actually, I've suspected, or mother's intuition, I, I've uh, suspected it probably since she was uh, 12, and she just confirmed it, you know, um, and I just, you know, I, I don't even know what you can say to help me, Dr. Ray. I just, uh, she came into my bedroom, I was reading, you know, before going to sleep, and she got in bed with me, as she often does, and we chit-chat and have some really nice conversations. And 
things got quiet and uh i said that was i that's sort of my cue to ask you know what's on your mind and she said you know took some deep breaths and breaths and said mom i i don't know how to say this i'm i'm embarrassed but i i really have something to tell you so she took her time and i didn't press it and she said mom there's a girl at school who says she has a crush on me and I really like her too and we're going to go out after school <laughs> and you know one thing led to another and I, I kept it together and I said you know I love you very much and she started to cry she was so happy she it was like a weight had been lifted from her shoulders and she gave me a hug and she said mom I love you I don't tell you that enough, but I love you so much. And she was so happy and so relieved. And in the following days, I've just been, you know, I don't, I don't want her to know because it, we're just inundated with, you must support your gay teen. You must be there for them and support them. And that's what I'm trying to do. That is what I'm trying to do. But I find, like, what what do people do, what do the parents do now who are going through a grieving process? I'm going through a grieving process. And, you know, I'm, I'm told society says if you don't get on board and support, then you're a hateful bigot. And I, I just don't know what to do. I don't know how to. I just don't know what to do. I it, it, do I do anything or nothing? I don't. Well, yes, yeah, there do. are things you can do. First of all, uh, because it, it's not un okay. You, you let me let me take Mother May I seven steps backwards. Seven steps backward. You said something interesting. You said I suspected this from about age twelve. My clinical experience, and this seems to be backed up by a fair amount of. Uh, evidence is that there is a percentage of those who are same-sex attracted who had gender confusion early on early on I mean even even as five six seven eight year olds nine year olds I don't know if she had that kind of gender confusion in the first 12 years uh, sounding Not like you're I'm aware of okay yeah. so it's sounding like you're saying that some of this hit when she hit 12 the, the other thing is this it's it's not unusual it, it happens among teenage girls that there is a girl particular girl that they are attracted to girls form very intimate friendships and sometimes those friendships can move toward the erotic and when right. that happens they conclude a certain percentage of them conclude and 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 we know this because uh there is also a percentage that return to their 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 biological sex attraction when they get older but they have an they have a relationship that is one relationship and they take that to interpret that means i am fully completely and will always be same sex attracted and we already know enough to know that's not always the case so for you to say i need to be supportive doesn't mean necessarily that you can't ask questions I think you might want to explore this. You might want to say, okay, were you feeling this way prior to this girl? 
Was this the girl that that brought all this out in you? Uh, have you been on social media? Because social media pushes this really hard, really hard. And this is one of the things that now parents have to deal with when they foolishly, and I double underline foolishly, give their kids smartphones way early, way early. Okay, the social media world basically says not only is this one option, they applaud it. This is the better option. So I don't know what has entered your daughter's head, and neither do you, regarding this. We live in a culture where she says, Mom, I'm same-sex attracted, and then that's automatic, no questions asked. You can't ask how she got to that point. I think you would do well also to explore this with her. For example, well, are you saying that you really don't want to be married and have children? And then she'll say, well, of course, Mom, we can have children. You know, we can do in vitro fertilization. I know that's standard, but that's not the easiest way to do it. Okay, so are you saying you don't typically want to have a husband with a family? Is that what you are saying at age 15? Is that what you've decided? You can ask her that. You can ask her, so does this mean that you view Catholic Church teaching as wrong? That, in fact, they would not recognize a same-sex relationship or marriage from a moral perspective. Is that what you're saying? I mean, you need to ask her these questions, Mary, because she may be confused. She may not be. It may be, in fact, that that she may live same-sex attraction all the way out. You don't know that at this point. That's what I'm saying. You don't know that. I understand. I I didn't, and I did ask Dr. Ray. I did ask her when she came to me and... You know, we were we were talking about it initially. I asked her, I said, so are you attracted to women? Do you find yourself um, sexually attracted to women? And she said, I don't know. And I don't know if she says, I don't know, because she can't bring herself to say well, yes, Well, you can ask Mom. her also, you can ask her, do you find yourself attracted to boys too? So typically, right. when someone says that they are bi, which means I'm attracted to both, um, it, in many cases, what it means is their normal sexual attraction is there. However, they are open to experimentation, relationships yeah. with the other sex. So your daughter, in saying that, you can ask her, honey, is that is that actual confusion? Or are you saying that to protect me? Lots of issues there. Uh, Mom did not address the social media aspect. She She didn't say... We don't have social media. As far as I know, she's not on social media, at least around our house. Kids are on social media with their friends. And social media relentlessly pushes the same sex attraction lifestyle. Relentlessly, especially among young people. And it even guides them to certain places where they can they can have this much more applauded. And typically, we know among adolescents that anything that is peer-approved, which same-sex attraction is, um, gets acclimated to, gets uh, approached more frequently. Uh, Mom said she was very, very happy. She said, remember she said? She said, my daughter was very happy. It's like a stone lifted from her. That doesn't mean, and I think I... Obviously, if mom was gone to therapy with me, I could explore this a lot further. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the girl says, oh, good, 
I am now fully and will always be same-sex attracted. It just may mean I've got this feeling towards this girl. And I thought that you would really be upset about it. And when you when you weren't, a stone was lifted from me. I'm familiar with a young lady who, she was about 17. And she ran away for about a week and had a same-sex relationship with an older female. They were gone for about a week. And uh, she is quite heterosexual. But she experimented. She went in that direction because this particular female approached her uh, in in some respects, uh, groomed her in many respects, uh, convinced her that this was the way to go. And so at age 17, she did. And she realized this is not what I want. This is not who I am. I would also... uh, when she asked her daughter, are you saying you are sexually attracted to all women? The daughter said, I don't know. She could have just as easily said yes, because she had the opening. Mom had already accepted this relationship with this girl. Already accepted that. Now, here's the other question. Mom didn't address this because she said, you know, if, if you even remotely question it or try to, to get your child to explain this, uh, you're a hateful bigot. The daughter's 15. Would mom let her daughter date boys at age 15? If she wouldn't, why would she let her date a girl at age 15? See, mom mom is not afraid to say, no, you're too young to date, except dating someone of the same sex, see, because mom is culturally bullied. The culture says that if you don't let your daughter pursue this particular aspect of her personality, whether it's temporary or lifelong, then you are causing untold psychological damage. You're not causing untold psychological damage if she wants to date a guy and you say no. But if she wants to date a girl and you say no, not at this age, then you are. You see the pressure? You see the dual system here? I think mom can have a few more heart-to-hearts with this young lady. I'm Dr. Ray. Underwritten in part by this not-for-profit. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into the suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. And click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. If we think like children, can we get a better workout? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. For many of us, getting a workout means going for a run, lifting weights, or doing some push-ups. But are we having fun doing any of those things? Many experts suggest that we need to incorporate play and fun into our workouts, just like when we were kids. We got plenty of exercise, climbing trees, playing ball, or chasing a friend. Now some personal trainers are incorporating childlike routines in their planned workouts to keep things fresh and filled with fun. The experts suggest that we watch 
watch kids at play and mirror their exercise. Kids don't usually run for miles and miles. They run, stop, jump, and play. Then they do it again. They mix things up. They laugh, they still sweat, and they still get out of breath. They get a good workout. We can do the same. For more on playful workouts, head over to our Journey Strong tab at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. Hello, Steve Ray here. Everything in the Bible and in the Catholic Church starts with the book of Genesis. It reveals to us God's plan for mankind. Yet Genesis can be daunting, especially given the scientific discoveries of the last few centuries. Well, that's where I come in with my new book, Genesis, a Bible study guide and commentary. Discover a thoroughly Catholic approach to this exciting and dramatic ancient narrative that is so often misunderstood. You can get the book now on the store page at AveMariaRadio.net. Check it out. Ten years ago, a parent coming to me because their child had expressed same-sex attraction was uncommon. If you look at the surveys throughout the time we've been taking surveys on this, which are typically anonymous, so you can't say, well, okay, they were ashamed. No, typically anonymous. The the rates of same-sex attraction was 1% to 3%, and it was more common among males. Right now, the transgender phenomenon is more common among females, which is interesting, is it not? Uh, Regarding a transgender child telling the parents, I am trapped in the wrong body, that was almost unheard of 10 years ago. I I got no referrals, and neither did my colleagues. Now it is much, much more common, much more common. It, I, you could say it has exploded. So the question becomes, whenever you have a social phenomenon that explodes like that, you've got to start asking questions. The standard explanation is very simplistic. Well, it's more acceptable now, so now all these kids can be true to who they are. Well, one could ask the question, it, it's not common among people over 55 or 60 becoming who they are so what's the difference why there's so many children secondly if there are factors pushing this and very clearly there are especially on social media and even our our decision makers and even our politicians then you must ask the question is that a factor in all of this whenever some phenomenon explodes whether it was cutting whether it was anorexia bulimia whether it was agoraphobia in the 70s when these kinds of things get high profile attention it's fair to say is there a social component in this and that really hasn't been asked yet i believe it will be at some point people will start asking hopefully people in the helping professions will start asking is this good the the rationale has been if we don't accept we are paralyzing the child's adjustment well the question that has to be asked is if we push it are we also in some respects doing that that's a fair question i'm dr ray please walk with god for information on dr ray's presentations books and cds visit dra.com and follow him on facebook 
The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.